that's a growler. Hello and welcome back to the Never Ending Minute, where we analyze, scrutinize, and bucket rides the movie <laughs> The Never Ending Story. I'm Thomas Howith. I'm Tierney Steele. And with us again this week is uh, Rick and Julia. Hello. Hey, guys. How's it going? Great. I heard giggling. <laughs> I, I was motioning to Julia, 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 do the, and she was not paying and attention And I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> Is it because you were so relieved that this is such a better minute? (laughs) I was watching the minute on my phone. (laughs) So much better. Um, So uh, minute 56, which is what we're all so thrilled about, starts with Atreyu looking up at the gate to see if the eyes are opening, which is very, starts very stressfully, but it ends with Enkiwuk struggling to his feet after falling out of his basket at the bottom of the observatory. It ends so triumphantly. (laughs) It is a very stressful minute, though. Mm-hmm. It It is, but it it's so much better. It starts off with completely terrifying music, and we've even got drums. I mean, someone called Jerry Porter, because this is some <laughs> serious mood setting with percussion here. <laughs> Not only percussion, but Wolfgang's doing his zoom-in thing again, and mm-hmm. he's doing quick zoom-ins, like they're moving quickly, so it's super stressful. And Atreyu mm-hmm. is sweating so much in this. I <laughs> had a note about this. Both of them, both him and Anguwuk, are really sweaty. When did they get so sweaty? They were not that sweaty quickly. on top of that mountain. <laughs> they quickly became that sweaty. I love that Anguwuk, in his excitement to like encourage Atreyu, runs in front of his telescope, which is the only way he can see what's happening. But he just like gets so wrapped up in it that. Well, yeah, he's given up on looking through the telescope. He's just gonna. He's just going to eyeball it. He goes back and forth, but <laughs> we finally figure out how to get through this gate, and it's to be confident. Information. No, that no, can no. Be... It's to run really fast. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> apparently whatever confidence he had was not enough since the eyes were opening. But as we get the close-ups on the eyes, you can see the line in the statue from the cast mold. <laughs> yes, I, saw, I noticed that. Wait, what? <laughs> what? It's a line down the middle of the face, and that's from, I assume, when they cast the mold for the statue. You no, would get that oh, little yes. line around the where the two halves met. I see that. Oh, that is yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> like, mostly on the nose, it's the clearest. Yeah. And the lip. The lip is really clear as well. Yep. Yep. Uh, but yeah, both Enkiwook and Bastion are shouting, Be confident. And the eyes do start to open, and maybe Enguiwook is not a heartless monster who just watches people die, because he turns away and covers his eyes. <laughs> I mean, it's not a very good scientific move, but it's compassion. It's a good sign. I wonder if anybody else who had previously gone through and failed to go through this gate had consulted with Enguiwook first, the way that Atreyu did. We, we we kind of wondered that last week when we were at the whole section where he's talking to him about that, too. Like, how many people have sat there and watched other people die with Enguiwook before he went? Right. And, and thinking, oh, I can do that. <laughs> and Enguiwook knows. He, he knows. He's seen this thousands of times. Yeah, you're not going to make it. But I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> You'll do fine. 
I mean, there's always a little bit of hope that maybe he's wrong. <laughs> or you, or they can run fast. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, so we'll, we'll get to the running. We'll get to the running. Actually, I did have a legitimate, like, movies by minute analysis thing to point out. Uh, first, Wook says, be confident, and then Bastion echoes that. Then Bastion says, run now, and then Enkiwik, like, they reverse. Right. First, Bastion was saying what Enkiwik said, then he did that. And we, we've gone back and forth of what's influencing what as he's reading the book, which I thought that was really cool. I also love that they're both just yelling the way I yell at sports on my TV. <laughs> and I want to know why they couldn't hear Bastion this time. He was clearly saying something very loudly, and for some reason they couldn't hear this. Well, I wonder if Atreyu did hear Bastion, and that's why... That's why he ran when he did. Yeah. Maybe. He waits until Bastion says, run now, and then he goes. My only doubt with that is how clear they made it that we could hear his voice in the last time that it happened. Like, the whole world stopped, and everybody's like, what? (laughs) Like, what was that? He's got too much to worry about for that now. (laughs) But maybe, you, maybe if that were the case, they'll have Angliwook react to it. Like, oh, what was that? <laughs> Angliwook is a crazy old man. If he's hearing weird voices of children <laughs> out of the sky, he's probably just chalking it up to his old age. <laughs> it's one of the spirits of the dead people that I've watched gets blown away. Yeah. <laughs> now, how does Atreyu have time to hesitate and have this whole moral crisis and everyone else is crispy instantly? Because they walked right through. They didn't pause and contemplate and outside laser town right yeah. outside laser town which <laughs> like we said is not, now at least we know where the line is because there's Apparently. a nice body there saying do not cross here i think atreyu is more prepared i guess emotionally to go through the gate than anybody else and he knew that he needed to stop and consider it instead of just going through the, the I, night, I would agree with that. Yeah, the night we saw, he just waltzed through without considering the weight of what he was doing. And Atreyu took some time about it. So so the night was a little too Lancer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, exactly. he wasn't so much confident, he was, like, pompous. Yes. Yes. It was like a false confidence. False bravado. I, I've been thinking about the whole confidence thing, and I just... I'm just not sure that that's it. That that's what they have to have. What was what did um the crazy old man? What did Angie he Wook? say? Angie Wook, thank you. What did he say about you have to know your worth? Feel yes. your self worth. Feel your self worth. Well, that's not the same for everybody. Just because you feel your self worth doesn't mean you're worthy. You feel when you feel your self worth, you see yourself for who you really are, and you know you know yourself. It's not necessarily a worthiness. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is definitely not a you are worthy or aren't worthy. It's not that kind of a check. It's more how you feel about yourself. Right. And I think a tree would have been much more confident and much more feeling his own self-worth if Wook had not been whispering doubt into <laughs> his ear while he was no, sitting up on the mountain. <laughs> what if he was too sure? What if he just walked up and was like, oh, I got this. And they were like, <laughs> Thanks, well, buddy. <laughs> well, I still think there's plan B where the Orin saves him. <laughs> you know, I don't know. That's a, bringing up the Orin is something I didn't even consider. Like that symbol 
marks him as a specific representative of the Empress, and if the Sphinxes killed him, they would be making a direct violent move against the Empress. And if Fantasia wasn't being consumed by a all-mysterious nothingness, you know, I feel like the Empress, or at least her envoys, would feel, you know, a bit obligated to make a move against the the sphinxes to like maybe dismantle them or no. de- decommission them in some way. No, I I'm comparing them to like the uh, the Greek oracles who did not show deference to anybody. Mm. It didn't matter who you were. Hmm. So, like I, the Orin got him this far, but it can't get him through the gate. I yeah. think so. That's what you think? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I still believe it would have. Blocked the attacks if he had just uh, had yeah, confidence like a, in it, like a force field. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, if if nothing else, he should have drawn confidence from the Orin because that is in itself a symbol that the Empress has faith in him, and so he should have exactly. been able to like co-opt mm. that and be like, just you know, say, "Oh, hey, the Empress has confidence in me, so I can have confidence in myself." And then he'll start singing the confidence song from The Sound of Music and start like <laughs> swinging song. around his guitar and Excellent luggage and just dance right through. Yes. Uh, do you know the stumble at the end when she almost falls actually happened during filming and they liked it so much that's why they left it? <laughs> that's because Julie Andrews is a oh. national treasure and can do nothing wrong. <laughs> yes, exactly. Even when she messes up, it's not wrong. It's just even more charming. <laughs> yes. All right, it's be it's behind the movie movie scene time. Are there two oracles, or are there one that's just turned around for the other shot? Oh, I thought you were asking like in the thing and getting more metaphysical or something. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I'm saying in the in the actual behind the scenes. Um, are there two oracle cast molds, or is it just well, one that they turned around? Because these cast molds could be like a paperweight on your desk. It'd be pretty easy to make two of them. True. But it'd also be pretty easy to just, yeah, I I don't know. (laughs) Okay, so I'm flipping between the two of them. And if they are two separate, you know, minifigures, then there should be some discernible difference between the two. Like a different style bird that they're wearing for a headdress or noticeably different facial features. From what I can see, it's the same. Now, do you think they filmed two separate shots or did they just film one and flip the frame over? (laughs) I don't think they flipped the frame over uh, because there are, specifically in this minute, there is, he's looking back and forth between them and they're not quite, they. There's a hair difference. Yeah, there's a hair difference. And I'm sure you could do that, but it'd be more work. (laughs) Yeah, plus you've got the kind of over the shoulder shots, over the shoulder of one sphinx looking down at a tray running between them and you can see the other one. So it's like, they would have had to build at least half of a second sphinx. Yeah. Yeah. To make or that paint shot it in work. Each time. And that would be, again, y- you definitely could do that, but why would you do the more work intensive yeah. version? It's 1984. Right. There's a lot else you can do <laughs> than, you know, paint in. <laughs> yeah. Effects. So I think there are two statues, but that they look exactly alike. Which uh, yeah, yeah, I think seems they use the, silly. They I think they're the from mold. the exact same. Yeah, yeah, exactly. the same the mold. Same mold. They just poured like, it twice. That seems so silly. Although <laughs> it seems <laughs> practical, just make the one mold, cast two yeah. statues. But okay, the go. process of making a movie isn't practical. 
this, I think nothing about making a movie is practical. What's not so practical is what we're what make a slightly better scene by making two different sphinxes. What's not practical is what we're mm. not going to see, but that Thomas and Tierney are going to see next week <laughs> when he actually reaches the Southern Oracle. That's not practical. <laughs> it's frankly rather lazy feeling. <laughs> but that's for next week. About. Not for here. Fair. Fair. <laughs> So, oh, man. I want you guys to take a moment. Take a moment and go back to when you were in your young adolescence and something made you really angry or you had to get really prepped for something or really, really ready for something. Do you guys remember doing these this breathing through your teeth thing? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that probably sounds horrible uh, on audio. I still do that when I get a shot. What are you talking about in our adolescence? <laughs> I can only think of one situation where I ever make that face, and it's not when I'm getting psyched up to do something. <laughs> I don't want to know what it is. <laughs> I'm seated at the time. There's a roll of toilet paper on the wall next to me. Oh, oh, okay. That is not where I thought you were going. Yeah. That, do you need to make a trip to the swamps to sadness? <laughs> that face is why we bought a squ squatty potty. Because oh, I don't have to make that face. <laughs> Oh my goodness, a squatty Same. potty. That is totally, I'm taking a poop face. <laughs> I, I could go with that, and so is the sweatiness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to ruin this dramatic, because we do, uh, we're done zooming, but when he runs, we do all the cuts between the wide shots and closer shots, so that the fact that he's running, like, five feet seems so much more dramatic. <laughs> he's done this so many times, too, like, this whole... Making something seem long that's really not that long. I mean, it's done well. It looks cool here. Yes. It's just, as you pointed out, when we get that overhead shot, he's only going maybe 10 feet. I mean, maybe five is an exaggeration, but I mean, it's, not by that much. It's not a 100-meter dash or anything like that. Right. <laughs> no. he's, he's not doing a long <laughs> jump at the end of it. But mm -hmm. that does answer why he's so sweaty. It's because he's been doing multiple <laughs> takes. <laughs> he's running as fast as he can for 15 feet turning around and doing it again I don't know if you know this but Wolfgang Peterson loved torturing uh, Noah Hathaway yep. <laughs> so I could see that happening a lot no nope you weren't fast enough that time you weren't using your arms Do it again. <laughs> balls of your feet I said the balls of your feet <laughs> that's fair and I, I love can you imagine how silly Noah Hathaway must have looked doing that jump on the set and you know oh. they made him do it like a million times yeah <laughs> He probably had fun with it at first, too, because there was probably like a mat there for him or a mattress oh, yeah. for him to jump onto. And he's like, Wee! you know, jumping into it every time. <laughs> oh, yeah. That would be like the best part. But after take 52, he's like, really? Really? <laughs> we haven't gotten it. Are you sure? You were blinking that time. <laughs> God. One of my favorite behind the scenes things. It doesn't involve Julie Andrews. I'm sorry. But it does involve Harrison Ford is in clear and present danger. <gasps> He does a dramatic jump with the explosion in the background, and if you look at his hand, you can blatantly see him holding the button to set off the explosion <laughs> as he jumps. And it is one of my favorite things to look for. Oh, it's I've so never great. noticed that. I love yep. that movie. Oh, it's so good. That goes back to what you guys were talking about where you guested on Army of Darkness or Minute of Darkness, and in the beginning of that movie when they when he gets transported into the new land. He falls on the ground, and it is clearly seen that it's a mat that he falls on. 
<laughs> it's like one of the inside jokes. If you've watched the movie enough times, you know that he falls on a mat because you can clearly see it. <laughs> nice. Yep. <laughs> uh, speaking of great special effects, though, Tierney, I have to go against something you said last week. This is okay. not Star Wars. This is Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> oh, okay. These lasers I, are... I'm accepting of that. <laughs> and, and it ties in perfectly with him having played on Battlestar Galactica. Maybe he <laughs> knew right the special home. effects guys like, hey, I got a guy that can help us with these lasers. Aww. <laughs> I'm... I'm- I'm just so distracted by the narrative of the eyes do fire. They meet in the middle and explode. This wouldn't really... No way that gate lets you get away just by jumping out of its range. Yeah, like, is this what you're supposed to do to get through yeah, it? Yeah, when they or... say self-worth and confidence, do they really mean running? Like, is is that the secret? <laughs> and then jumping I mean, as far as you can. <laughs> that knight was on a horse, and horses go a lot faster than humans, so could he have just gotten that horse up to gallons and went... Whoop, right through, haha, see you later. Yeah. I kind of think yes. Yeah. Based it, on what it, we see here. Or they missed on purpose and just wanted to get him moving through because they were tired of him taking a sweet little time yeah. before the burnt body. Yeah. <laughs> like the sphinxes need to go home and watch Dancing with the Stars. I mean, what else are they going to do? They're a gate. Wait, we need the. We need right. This gate is garbage. <laughs> They're like, this is the second time today. Come on. I, I know it's a fantasy story in a fantasy setting, but I really am very disappointed with the overall quality and, you know, experience Security. that I'm having with this gate. This Maybe gate, that's why there know? are boobs on it to make it up to people. You know? <laughs> Does not like, redeem it. The boys won't notice this gate makes no sense. There are boobs on it. <laughs> All right, that's it. Next time we're recasting these gates as blue. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, that would never happen. No never. way they'd be that. No. <laughs> One thing that I really have to wonder about, because Atreyu gets through the gate, through shenanigans, but... He has to pass back through that gate. Do you get a free pass if you're going out? Or do you have to do that whole confidence test again? Well, he doesn't have to worry about that, but others have. So, I'm I think, trying to remember how it worked in the book. I think it was just a free pass. Yeah, I know that. I mean, obviously somebody's made it back before because Angiwook knows about the second gate. And as yeah. we know from the next minute, there's no way he could possibly see that gate from where he's mm -hmm. sitting true so somebody's made it back so maybe yeah there is a free pass going back or or maybe if you were confident enough to pass it once then you're confident enough to pass it the second time you've learned the lesson that you <laughs> have to go fast so, it's like as you're coming back through you already have the confidence of getting through once and sure you're just like oh well i'm good i'm do, 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 yeah. Do. yeah there's that it's it's the harry potter argument <laughs> from uh book three <laughs> right i knew i could do it because i'd already done it yep <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> and then we get the little puff of relief <laughs> as he stands up and then Angiwook jumps in his basket and flies across the moon while John Williams plays <laughs> <laughs> I mean close enough right <laughs> I have to call this moment out so we talked about when he was on Morla how they kept repeating the same part of the slide over and over again but just different takes. Yeah, they did that here too. <laughs> they repeated a portion of it multiple times to make it look like he was going down. 
<laughs> he's having so much fun. He's going so fast. We've talked about Bavaria and how you can go ride Falcor there. I don't want to ride Falcor anymore. <laughs> I want to ride the bucket ride. <laughs> and you'll just be screaming he made it the whole time. They need to have like... Uh, you, Tony. We talked about the old ninety or yeah, the nineties kids shows, the yeah. game shows. Yeah, they need to have like a whole thing set up. Like first you ride the Falcor, and then you run and you jump through the lasers, <laughs> and then you slide down the bucket slide. <laughs> yes, I am in. The only thing that makes me sad is in previous minutes we had theorized that Urkel could leave him trapped up there so she could get some, you know, time to herself, and clearly. Actually, I wonder if that did happen, and that's how he knows. If I jump, the momentum will carry me. <laughs> yes, he's figured out how to get down all by himself, but he falls out every time. Yeah, it sounds it's like a so repeated great. event that she leaves him stranded up there. <laughs> I love it. It's so great. It's such a triumphant, and like the music's going. It's great. <laughs> you just happened to be past the scary music. I really am, but I still think it would be good anyway. And, you know, the scary mu- music is well done. Like, I'm not knocking the score. I just, I prefer a triumphant theme. <laughs> oh, goodness. So, do you guys have anything else for this, man? I wanted to point out that Atreyu getting through this trial where the knight didn't, you can have fancy armor, but there is no armor fancier than plot armor. <laughs> yes, plot armor will get you through so much. I just heard that term for the first time this week, actually. When, uh, people were talking about Game of Thrones. I'd never heard that before, plot yep. armor. <laughs> plot armor gets you through everything. If you are important oh, enough to the story, they will not cl- kill you off in the 56th minute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which, what? There was some cartoon or something I saw that said, uh, oh, I was talking about taking off out of the cargo bay in Force Awakens. And it says, really? Do you think this will work? Well, three out of four of our main characters are on board. Yes. So I'm pretty sure we're going to make it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Amazing how that works. Uh-huh. Which, you know what? The few things that have killed off a main character, they've gotten me very unexpectedly. So kudos to them. Yeah, I've got to say, with the fact that everything that's happening in this movie is also like written down in the book. Heaven forbid Atreyu ever got a copy of the book and he got to that confidence gate and all he would have to do is flip to a later part of the book, hold it up because he's on that page past this part here and just walk past the statue and be like, ha ha. Yeah. See, I don't need confidence. I've got the script. (laughs) (laughs) So that makes that calls into question this. Okay. So we all know this is a metaverse here where it's a thing inside a thing inside a thing. And how does the book know, like when, when Bastion can hear himself, how does the book know, or when did the book know, to write that sentence out that Bastion screamed? And I know this is going to make your brains hurt, but like Bastion screamed and they heard it. So that had to be, was it was it not there right before he flipped the page? Or was it there when he picked up the book at Coriander's? I just want to go on record saying that him screaming when Marla's head pops out of the shell and them hearing it is my least favorite part of this movie because I think it is really (laughs) dumb. Oh, yes. And now it's official. That conversation. It's official. I'm on that boat. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah. So dumb. Yeah. <laughs> I've always wondered that, like, when when is the book written, though? Is it before he turns the page? Because he's a he's quick it's reader. always being written. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I definitely, I want to. <laughs> never, almost never ending. I definitely want to touch on this subject again when we get to Friday's episode, because you're. You're touching on something that it's I wrote done in a lot my notes. Better. All right, we'll, we'll save it for then. Yeah, yeah. That's it's, a, it's done better. <laughs> that's a great as the idea. Movie goes on. All right, um, that having been said, there's plenty more to look forward to this week. We hope you guys are going to come back. We have some more uh, interesting stuff moving forward. But that's, that's another, another story, story that shall be told another time. Wow, something is really different. I'm a growler.